Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast, can at times contain adult language and themes. It is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Digital Dissection Podcast, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look at our favorite properties, creators, and topics. We are your humble hosts, Joe and Mark, two pop culture nerds dedicated to telling entertainment history before it's forgotten too soon. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog for more information on the show. We also love to hear from you. Write us at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's get to dissecting. Are we, uh, are we still doing the Superman thing? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, we, we've we made it through a whole season without addressing the Man of Steel, despite the fact that he's been taking up this like behind part of the wall for me ever since we've started the show. Granted, no one could really see this until this season anyway, but he's been there the whole time, wondering when, when we'll, we'll finally maybe give him an episode. Yeah, well, I mean, technically we've given Superman a couple episodes now because we have obviously injustice before this yeah. and then we had we had the life and times of george reeves himself very before true. that yeah so we're actually getting uh about three two three episodes two solid weeks of some superman love here <laughs> yeah, um three, and admiration three-ish three-ish yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's it's kind of like batman week like we did last year except at no point were there any rubble there will be any rubber nipple like conversations about superman oh. I hope not, unless that just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, well, I t- we almost got Rubber Nipple Superman. Oh, that's right, the yeah. Nick Cage. Nick Cage Superman. almost got a yeah. Superman movie, um, which does get which got scrapped for the movie that we ended up we ended up getting um, yeah. for Superman, which we'll talk about tonight. Which, uh, looking at this episode, though, we're doing something very different than we have in the past, where a lot of times we will dedicate the episode to. Simply one movie, one video game, one TV series. But with Superman, like almost like any superhero, being as big as he is, uh, he's had a lot of movies done in the past. And yeah. we could dedicate, you know, an episode per movie over several seasons. But instead what we're going to do is kind of have like this Superman v. Superman v. Superman in a Battle Royale style episode where we're going to be looking at only his big screen representation with the probably biggest name actors that have played him. And again, not I understand George Reeves also had a movie with Superman, but his was a made-for-TV movie. It was made for a pilot and never hit big screens. So we're going to take a look at the three actors and how they yeah. portrayed Superman, the three biggest ones of Christopher Reeve, not Christopher Reeves, People will screw that up a lot, and it's very annoying. Big um, difference. Huge difference. Big difference. George Reeves, Christopher Reeve, yeah. no S. Not that difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brandon Routh, who also got the chance to play Superman on you know small screen as well, but he got to play him on a big screen first. And, of course, the man that everyone wants to come back as the Man of Steel, but Warner Brothers just won't listen, Henry Cavill. Yeah. I think it's important to mention too that what we're we're focusing on here isn't necessarily every Superman movie, but we're we're talking specific ones that focused on Superman. These are the actual Superman films, mm-hmm. not not like a Justice League type of no. orientation or 
making a cameo or any of that kind of stuff. Yep. And also specifically yeah. their premiere films, because yeah. obviously Christopher Reeve had several Superman and only Superman movies, but we're not going to go into two, three, or the quest for peace four, <laughs> um, <laughs> which growing up, sure? I love the quest for peace, but as I got older, I'm like, this is not good. <laughs> Are you sure? You sure you don't want to go so there bad. today? <laughs> we won't go there today. Um, <laughs> well, well, Hey, why not? Why not start with, you know, one of the most iconic Superman films of all time yeah. and going back to Richard Donner's interpretation yeah. of, of Superman events. Right. Exactly. And I think even before we get into Donner's interpretation, interpretation of Superman events is let's take a look at how these movies just really represent the character of Superman. Because this is something that is actually, as it turns out, pretty difficult to do, is represent Superman well in a movie or in a TV series. Um, when we look at him in general, he was the first true superhero. Not the first, like, comic book hero, because the Phantom yeah. was before him. Um, and, oh God, there's one other one, I think, that would be considered, people say superhero. But they didn't have superpowers. They mostly relied on, like, detective skills their karate yeah. skills and guns yeah that's what they used yeah. but superman was the first superhero who had a plethora of superpowers of you know being faster than a speeding bullet more powerful than a locomotive and he could jump uh buildings in a single bound so and pretty much you know in pervious you could throw anything at him it's not gonna do anything to him he was she the first a, hero of that caliber she made a crack about me being faster than a speeding bullet so i ripped her in half like a phone book <laughs> That was a fa that was the Family Guy thing, right? With like, there <laughs> yeah. is it like a poker game in hell when Superman's sitting there? <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, Superman, what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, uh, it, mm -hmm. so yeah, he he was made by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster in uh, 1938 uh, is when his oh, yeah. comic premiered. And there's we could go into a whole episode just on like the like lawsuits around the character that happened because of. Um, Action Comics or DC basically selling him or like buying him from uh, Siegel and Schuster for mm -hmm. very like it was like the equivalent of like two hundred dollars something laughable <laughs> and then Jeez. just making like millions off the character um, and then eventually you know you get Captain Marvel or um, for a while he was Captain Thunder then Captain Marvel now he's Shazam and how DC acquired him through a lawsuit because he was too similar to Superman. Um, it's true it's true they are they are basically carbon mm -hmm. copies with just different ways to use their abilities exactly so. one is science the other is magic but hey here we are <laughs> um lots of things with that but let's look at the actual character of superman he is someone who despite like like all the powers all the abilities that he has those aren't really what define the character uh it's basically how he is raised who he is and in any given like ensemble of superheroes and their abilities he's always the most human one there he's always the one who is worried about how this affects humanity whether or not they should be doing this uh it's definitely like like the ian malcolm thing he's the one who actually slows down to think about if they should do something not just can they do something um I, and it's this heart that makes the character who he is i i do like though about about uh, young clark kent in in this 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 ep or this episode this movie <laughs> that is a little bit different compared to like the the redoing of the origin story for like Man of Steel for example mm -hmm. you know he ends up being actually 
juvenile, which I like. Yeah. And, I, and I know that sounds obvious, but I mean, the young Clark Kent in this movie actually kind of, he's kind of whiny, A little you bit, know, yeah. like, he, yeah, he's like, you know, you know, why, why can't I dial it up to 11? Right, mm -hmm. dad? Like, what, seriously, why not? You know, and it, it feels like you're actually seeing a child reason out this herculean power that he has yeah <laughs> which, yeah. yeah completely that's so that, that, let's jump into superman the movie 1978 then right this is yeah. this is made by richard donner um believe it or not when this was first being pitched the the producers behind it wanted more of a slapstick comedy they yeah. wanted something very comic booky very much yeah. the, you know like boom pow beat him up weird funny and like and one-liners and donner's like no 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 if we do that this is going to be terrible we can't do that. We have to make this a serious movie. And then there's, yeah. of course, like a serious movie, but a man flying around in tights. Like, what? You can't do that. <laughs> well, you can't do it. Some of it still survives uh, in Lex Luthor, you know, yeah. like the that, that slapstick nature or, mm -hmm. you know, some of that, uh, that it's like Skeletor kind of villainy, you know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Otis, yeah. next time yeah. give me my robe when I'm out of the pool. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> like everything with like Lex Luthor, you kind of look at and go, "Okay, this is this yeah. is can't be mm -hmm. because of the era." I think, and and knowing the studio interference, it makes a big difference oh, there. Yeah. But as far as it, it's focused on on young Clark Kent, though, mm -hmm. I I really do want to say that it was almost the most responsible out of all of the yeah. the, the depictions, even though Superman Returns is technically a continuation, right? So mm -hmm. we're not going fully back to origin story, but with with Superman the movie, I do think it was a good way to keep it rooted because, like you mentioned, this is not the first superhero, quote unquote, but it's one of the first like major superhero films. Yeah. So his journey from a you know from a child to a young man has to mm -hmm. still be somewhat believable, somewhat serious. It I needs think needs to be yeah because if you don't yeah. have that, the movie's going to fall apart. And when you say big movie, this was a big movie uh, at the time yeah. it was made. It cost fifty five million dollars. Which was the most expensive movie made to date in 1978. Yeah. Nothing was more expensive. And for those who may have thought it this was a flop or didn't do well, uh, it grossed three hundred and a half million dollars. So oh, you know, it it did yeah. all right. It did very all right. Um, yeah. And for the longest time, was considered the best superhero movie ever made because of how it captured the character, because of um, what Christopher Reeve was able to do with it. So when you talk uh -huh. about making it believable, one thing that again we said that this, his powers typically actually don't define the character. It's who he is. Um, it's his upbringing that does it. So starting with that, even going a little before, this movie starts on Krypton. If you watch like the full extended edition, you get yeah. life on Krypton. More, uh, actually, no, even in the regular edition, you just get a little more on Krypton than you would in the extended. Um, yeah. You start with uh, Jor-El and Laura Lore Van, Superman's two parents. And Jarrell yeah. is played by the incomparable Marlon Brando. Which Yeah, who <laughs> <laughs> they, they did everything they could with that outfit he's wearing, but Oh, it's it's like a it, weird tinfoil. Yeah. It's, you can't hide the dad bod though. No, you can't. Mm -mm. Yeah. No, and and Brando, uh Brando, if you know anything about him he is definitely uh um i don't read the script script reads me sort of person um <laughs> yeah. you 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 follow his rules when he's in your movie and he refused to learn his lines for this movie which when you look back at it though his his portrayal of jor-el is mm -hmm. 
it's almost like a, a play in a yeah. sense. It's mm-hmm. like Shakespearean almost, right? Like mm-hmm. when, you, when you watch the way he moves and how he speaks, you don't quite get that vibe out of it. No. You know, it's, it is a, uh, it is a little different because obviously this isn't anything like Anne of Steel, right? Mm-hmm. But that's what I kept getting out of this. I'm like, going, why is, why is he behaving like this is a, a stage, a stage play? Pretty much. You know? Yeah. He's, he's yeah. using the whole set. His, Actually, when he's putting baby Kal-El in the, uh, in the spaceship, his lines are written on Kal-El's diaper because he refused to actually know <laughs> yeah. what to say. It's like, no, you need to say this. You can't ad-lib it. You can't make what you want to be. Yeah. You know, write it on the diaper. So he's looking at the diaper there. Yeah. But, but very much like he, he made the character who he wanted the character to be. And yeah. when you look at the lines that are delivered, and I, I, I specifically always remember, um, like, they're they're getting ready to give Kal-El to the stars and send him to Earth. And you're talking, and you have the two parents talking about, you know, what's life going to be like for our son when he leaves us? And they have like a bit of a back and forth there. And everything Laura brings up is, will he be accepted? Will he be loved? Um, all this motherly, like, care and want for her child to be okay where he's going to go. And Brenner's yeah. like, what are you talking about? He's going to have high molecular density. Nothing can hurt him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's it, it like, was, he's going to yeah. make a god to these people. Like, what's the worst that could happen? It's just classic, was, like, he'll be fine. Just send him he's out just, there. He's just going to be incessantly bullied his entire <laughs> life. And then yep. nothing is going to happen because Mm-mm. of that. So, no, you know, it'll be fine. Not a thing. Yeah. So yeah. he gets shipped off to Earth, where you, you said you get this uh, bit of a whiny, like, teenage Clark Kent. Um. When you first when you first see him on Earth, he's um, which the movie does kind of fun. Like they note that he actually ages in space as he goes from yeah, blowing yeah. up Krypton being blown up to Earth. So he leaves as an infant and arrives as like a toddler. Um, which they're they're very specific about that. They mm-hmm. say it a couple times too because when when we eventually do end up getting to the Fortress of Solitude, right? This is where Jor El does explain that to him. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not just once; it's like it's multiple times. Yeah. Like, Earth years and our years are very different, very son. Different. <laughs> yeah. So, for for an entry level like a origin story movie, it it did feel like it had the right amount of detail, mm-hmm. even though it was 1978. Yeah. Right. Like that. It was there was not a whole lot of waste in there uh, in trying to explain what's going on. No, and actually, that's one one thing I'd like to give some praise. To this movie is it's paced very well for a 70s movie. Holy fuck! If you've watched movies in the 70s, they just have like they got time to kill. Like, we don't have to move this story around. We can make this movie as long as we want to. Gone in 60 seconds, that car chase, the ending one, that's a half hour long. Believe yeah. it or not, I lost interest in a car chase. Yeah. <laughs> you like, shouldn't have that happen. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll come back in like 10 minutes. Let's, let's just well, check, yeah. on, check on him then. Mm-hmm. So, like, it paces very well. So Krypton, I think, is a grand total of like 10 minutes, um, if even. And then you get, like, life of, of Clark growing up in Smallville. And with the little time, actually, I feel like this is a very quick time in Smallville. It's it's literally, I want to say, like, three scenes. It's the scene where um, Cal first get... arrives as a baby. He lifts up the Kent car by himself because it's broken yeah. down the side of the road. I think it's like a flat tire. And then yeah. he fall, the jack falls out, and he just holds the car up. And they're like, ooh. Yeah. This naked baby. Pretty strong. And yeah. then we then we skip ahead to the high school scene where, like you said, he's got this. Uh, I think uh, he's meeting Lana Lang and a few others after school, yeah. and they're excluding him. They're bullying him. He 
they they hop in a car and drive off and Clark runs home and then yeah. they later like drive by and see him there just sitting there waiting. And they're like, How computers yeah. are fast? And I ran. If you <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I do I do have to say to people who have never seen Superman before, because there are folks who haven't seen Donner's Superman. Mm-hmm. This is one of those scenes in the movie that just you can't you can't help but laugh at this, oh. no matter how old you are. When he's running against the train and they've got the, <laughs> there's some there's some apparatus, there's some apparatus where like his his arms and legs are on a different track than his back and like head are. <laughs> it is the second weirdest running scene in a DC movie I've ever seen. <laughs> the first one belonging to Ezra Miller running is the Flash. Where he does oh, this yeah, weird yeah. arm yeah, swing yeah. out, like yeah. no one does yeah. this. No one does this, but no one yeah. also does this. Yeah, and, and once again, we have to, we are an audio and video program, so Joe and I are both obviously doing some very strange <laughs> arm movements here. <laughs> they, they're very rigid, very robotic looking, very. and and it is it is just very it is it's mm-hmm. jarring. You can't, I mean, I'm sure for the time it probably still even looked weird. Maybe, <laughs> but but I I gotta say every time I watch it, I I, I bust out laughing. Like I, you just can't, you help, can't but help laugh it. at this. You can't. Um, and obviously a movie made in the 70s, some some visuals will have not aged well, but yeah. for their time, pretty great. And we'll get I'll get to the visuals in a little bit when we get towards the end of yeah. of talking about this particular film. But getting back to again. This really great build that they do to like make Clark Kent who he is, is he has a conversation with Pa Kent because they ever actually say Jonathan or Martha in this movie. It's just Ma and Pa. That's all you get. They're credited as Ma and Pa Kent. And as Pa Kent, we have Glenn Ford, who does this really great job of, I don't want, like he's. He's he's fatherly without having kids. Exactly. it's mm-hmm. it's so the, the way I can look at it when you watch the uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, mm-hmm. right? Like Uncle Ben in that movie, he is just trying so hard to be this like moral beacon for mm-hmm. Peter. And I do not get that with Glenn Ford's, you know, Pa Kent, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's Pa Kent. He's he's there to offer his advice and kind of yep. level set, you know, and everything. Mm-hmm. But I never got the point where he was too pushy. Like I never got that from him. Like it was, it was, as my dad would say, it's from one professional to another kind of discussions. Right. You know, he, Mm -hmm. he kept like, even though, you know, he's, he's trying to raise this, this God amongst men, basically, Mm -hmm. he still treats him, you know, like a CEO. He still treats him with the respect and everything. And what I like about his advice as Pa Kent is that it actually makes sense mm-hmm. like it's it's not it's not over the top it's yeah. not it's not do this because i just said to do it no it's like it's like no no no. this is gonna make you into a better person yeah let's let's focus on not you know let's not uh, dismantle people and mm-hmm. make them feel bad about themselves and i i thought that was a really really good good thing for this movie oh completely and there's even a great line where you know clark is whining a little bit he's like dad i could pick up a football and get a touchdown every time Every single yeah. time I touch that ball, I can outrun anyone. I can outthrow anyone. And why can't I do it? And he's like, you know what? I think he's just like, son, what you can do is incredible. You are amazing. You are nothing this world has ever seen. And you will do greater things than anything is ever like anything that's ever happened on this planet. I don't know what those things are, but yeah. I'm pretty sure it has nothing to do with throwing a football. Yeah. And it's just like, then like Clark like has a bit of a laugh and settles in. Let him know that like, like, you know what? I don't have all the answers for you because you are one of a kind. You are amazing. 
but wanting to show off right now and do this right now probably is not what you're supposed to do. And you can do better than what anyone is trying to egg you on to do. I mean, Superman is literally just saying, but damn, fast as fuck, man. Like, come on. <laughs> fast as fuck. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. it, and it, it, seriously, it, it's one of the more uh, heartwarming moments. Heartwarming. Heartwarming. That's not an M. Mm -hmm. I flipped it upside down. It is one of the most heartwarming moments in really any Superman movie. Yeah. I, I, I strongly feel that because mm -hmm. I, I've seen every every single Superman film. And this was really the probably the easiest thing to connect to, I think. Yeah. Whether you're a parent or whether you've been in that, you know, that parent-child relationship and you you've probably whined about some of these things yourself before. Mm -hmm. And it it makes you remember, like, yeah, this this superhero is a child right now. He's still figuring things out. Once again, bluntly stated, but when you see the way they do it, it's it's really well done. I, I think it's phenomenal in it's, this movie. And what it is, and it's also so simple. Like it's just such a like we don't need to have seven movies to develop the character like we can do it in a few scenes and do it well and that's yeah. what they do right here and continues to do in, in when the scene actually ends with unfortunately pa kent dying he has a heart attack and dies at the after the end of this this talk with clark and yeah. then the next scene is also uh, ma kent's last scene of the movie who also i think <laughs> yeah. she only gets honestly like three lines she has something when they first find Clark, and then she shouts Jonathan a few times, um, or she shouts Pa a few times when she sees that he had collapsed, um, and then has like one more line at his funeral. But yeah. at the funeral, Clark is saying, "I like I can do all these amazing things, but I couldn't save him." And that's yeah. a lesson that Superman always has to learn and has to be kind of humbled by: is that no matter what you can do, one thing you can't do is save everyone. Which is an important lesson mm -hmm. to say at the very beginning, as opposed to saving until the very end of the movie. Yes. And I'm not going to explain. <laughs> I'm not going, we'll I'm not going to say that. that. Yeah, we'll, we'll revisit that. <laughs> revisit that in a bit. So <laughs> after this, you get uh, young Clark going on a journey. He um, gets a crystal that was from his ship, walks yeah. all the way to the North Pole, chucks it in the North Pole. Fortress of Solitude springs out. He gets to t he sees Jarrell for the first time, and then we get undescribed amount of years have passed and now christopher reeve is there in the superman costume and he flies away to bring us to superman's adult life now something i want to ask about here though because i've always wondered this mm -hmm. did did jor-el just kind of have like an acting school built into the fortress of solitude that said <laughs> you need to act like a like a dumb Right. Like you, you need to, <laughs> you mm -hmm. need to trip over yourself and like mm -hmm. constantly get in the way of people. Cause, cause Clark Kent is the perennial version of, of a, of a man and wife trying to work in the same kitchen. Yes. He's always mm -hmm. in your, always in someone's <laughs> way. He, you're constantly stepping over him. And that dopiness that, yeah. that he has, like where maybe it's in the extended cut. I don't know. And I think that's, that's always been like a part of the disguise that is Clark Kent. And I mean, also, it also really depends on the writer, whoever's writing him too. But this kind of like dopey, clumsy person is kind of like part of like what helps hide who he really is because like everyone makes fun of the fact, like seriously, he puts glasses on. You can't tell who the fuck he is. Um, yeah. But part of it's like, he's big, he's bumbling. He like in some cases, like he's even drawn, like kind of like crouched over. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Meek, meek yeah, looking. Yeah. Exactly. And this is actually in a small sidebar. Um, if you recall the third and final Kill Bill movie, there's a small quote in here um, that Bill brings up where he says that Superman didn't become Superman. 
Superman was born Superman. When Superman wakes up in the morning, he's Superman. His alter ego is Clark Kent. His outfit with the big red S, that's the blanket he was wrapped in as a baby when the Kents found him. Those are his clothes. What Kent wears, the glasses, the business suit, that's the costume. That's the costume Superman wears to blend in with us. Clark Kent is how Superman views us, and that we are the characteristics of Clark Kent. He's weak, he's unsure of himself, he's a coward. Clark Kent is Superman's critique on the whole human race. And that is something that I think was meant to be profound, but I think is incredibly, incredibly wrong. <laughs> because <laughs> if Superman was that cynical, he wouldn't give a fuck about people. And that's like say, the thing he cares the most about. It's it's all acting. Yeah. Like it's all acting. acting. And, uh, and that's why like I'm wondering. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I was like, because seriously, you got Jor-El in, in the in the fortress. And I'm like, he's gotta be giving him, you know, like like side notes here, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> again with feeling, feeling you know mm -hmm. um yeah because watching him in in the you know as you know in the daily planet and kind of walking around and behaving the way that he does it, it, it's all it's all down to the the appearance like mm -hmm. you mentioned in the glasses um i feel like if you looked at his shoes he was probably close to like tripping over himself at all times yep and and this is where we start to see to the they, they visualized this right away, or at least they showed us right away mm -hmm. how the, the part in his hair changes, you yeah. know, from, mm -hmm. from right to left and all that. So, uh, yeah, I always, always find that funny because later I, I learned that later on, like when I was a kid, I didn't care about the hair part or anything. But then when, when you hear about the, the studies that say that people who part their hair from, you know, left to right, that's like a power move. If you do it from right <laughs> like to that. left, it's, it's, yeah, you're, you're viewed as, uh, less less important no you know <laughs> so yeah it was it, they did that intentionally interesting i'd never known that oh yeah yeah check it out there's there's a uh, psychology behind it fascinating <laughs> <laughs> yeah but all right well now here's where we get to the part where we think where i want to talk about uh is like basically the defining moment for this character because this this movie has i think two things get talked about a lot and that's the um he kills Lois Lane when he first saves her, like he should have killed her because she falls and he flies right up and catches her and that you just like snap her back. Um, yeah. So we won't go over that. The Gwen, yeah. Gwen Stacy effect. The yeah. Gwen Stacy effect. Or the uh, Richard Donner's poor decision to make it look like he flies around the earth backwards to spin it backwards to make him go back in time. He's like, that was just meant to be an artistic thing. He was, It's showing that he's going back in time. So the earth is, it's like, he, it didn't work. Donner admits it didn't work. But those are the two things that really, really get discussed with this movie. Mm -hmm. If if we were being realistic during that scene, there it would just show like some old man like eating grits or something, and like his 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 like milk and shit's just spilling everywhere when that happens. Because because that's that's all it would that's do. All it would do. Yep. Just just massive earthquakes, and, mm -hmm. and the world would be in in, It'd be in deep shit. Like Superman just killed yeah. everyone in his rage. <laughs> but I, I, mm -hmm. so while while was... those are things that kind of define the artistic part of the movie and the limitations of special effects at the time. Um, I will say something that neither of those really define the character well. I think mm -hmm. the part that defines Superman the most is I spent the night with Superman. It's the interview that Lois Lane has with Superman on her apartment's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say yeah, balcony, little... but really she just seems to live on the top floor of an apartment building. It has this amazing <laughs> like patio thing. Rent, her rent must be insane. 
because I was going to say, it's a... got to be rent. No, it's got to be rent controlled in the big yeah. city. I'm mm-hmm. guessing there's, there's got to be something about her block because she's basically has a penthouse mm-hmm. and she's got like the rooftop green space that frankly wouldn't exist for no. like, you know, 40 years, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I will agree that as far as like when we talk about scenes and just structure and how mm-hmm. defining it is, uh, you, you do get to see how Superman behaves as Superman, right? Yeah. But there still is that that the adolescence that pokes through at times. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. He's, yeah, because he throughout that that interview, how you get to see how both Lois gets nervous at times, mm-hmm. and how Superman gets nervous at times, and <laughs> and how neither one of them is quite sure like what game am I playing? Yeah, you know exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, yeah, it's definitely fun to watch because it's it's not just defining for the characters, but defining for what their relationship feels like, and so. It, it, yeah, I agree with you on that. I think that that scene is is definitely iconic, but it's also um, a good framework, I think, for for how these characters are going to exist. Yeah, absolutely. And in this this film, we have a uh, Margot Kidder is playing Lois Lane, um, who I don't. I think this is also like one of her like her first kind of breakout role um, is in this movie too. But yeah, like like you said, like the the absolute awkwardness of this of this scene between the two of them. Because, like, one, like, Christopher Reeve, like, he's a big, handsome dude. He's, like, 6'4", 225 pounds of muscle. So who's not going to fall for that guy? Um, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to, no, to fight it. Couldn't resist you know. it myself. But... Yeah, you're, you're in your knickers on a cold night on a rooftop, and you got Superman <laughs> hitting on you. I... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Let thing. things go where yeah, they will. completely. So <laughs> she, who is, like, an accomplished writer, uh, an accomplished reporter, although I would say of, of the three movies... This is the weakest, like, reporting of a Lois Lane ever, like, reporting ability. But we'll get to that in a bit. Um, so she's asking, like, odd questions. She's, That's like, right. trying to, like, be she professional can't, she can't spell. failing. She can't even spell words. She that's that's well, the part. That... That's that's kind of always been a Lois Lane thing. Is that I know, she's I know. reporter, but she can't spell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, so yeah, so I mean she's true. she's breaking down, she's asking like what color what color underwear she is she wearing because Superman has X-ray vision, she's talking about her powers. Um super bad. Well, but I mean of maybe tells her, but yeah. Yeah, maybe it's like maybe it's you know, lace, maybe it's a thong, you know, maybe it's some weird, crazy thing I don't even know about, you know. <laughs> I That's mean they were question. in a trust tree. <laughs> yeah, they're in the nest. So that they're yeah. in the nest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if for those of you once again, visual and an audio program, I'm making like a nest form with my hands but it's it's not working yep. so, yeah and so a part of again what really makes this like a defining moment for the character is that we see this kind of innocence about superman while he's yeah. talking to lois lane uh they have he takes lois flying um in this scene too and you see lois just kind of like lose herself in like the moment that she's in with yeah. superman yeah. and you see the characters basically you know fall in love with each other uh, which yeah. is pretty incredible. And of course you're seeing Superman demonstrate what he can do while he's there. And exactly, you know, he, he says exactly who he is, what he's about. He tells Lois that he never lies. Dr. House would of course disagree with that statement, but it's a, like, and that even that comes back um, later in the movie when um, the whole two missile double jeopardy thing happens. And oh, yes. <laughs> Tessmacher asks him if he would go save her mother first. And you have to tell me yes, because you, you never lie. And he does. Uh, like despite the fact that the other missile uncompromisingly would do more damage, he goes and stops the other one first. He does yeah. exactly exactly the thing. Um, yeah. So again, I think that's that's this part of this movie where if you watch it, you really get to see that this is who Superman is as a character, and so, I think they do that very well. 
one thing I do want to knock on this movie, mm-hmm. and it, it's not necessarily the Superman representation, because I do think this is probably one of the strongest representations of the character itself. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do think was a mistake for this movie was the amount of time that passes before we even get Lex Luthor on screen. That's true. I, mm-hmm. I mean, when we talk about pacing, yeah, the majority of the movie has a really good pacing, and you're you're never really kind of checking your watch at any point. Yeah. But the the fact that the the struggle between good and evil takes that long to come out, true, really kind of confusing. You know, if, if yeah. you're trying to compare it to like modern superhero films versus this one, mm-hmm. because because it's it's a good thing for you know for an intro, you know, to a character. I get that, mm-hmm. but yeah, this is one of the like it's it's kind of a, a unique thing in a superhero movie to see it take that long. Yeah. Because there's no stakes up to that point. No, and you know? I, I would even argue that like Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor is the worst part of this movie. Oh my god! One, they, they I was they don't explain how he has his money. They don't explain how he's accrued this tiny like underground empire. He trusts Otis, knowing that Otis is an absolute buffoon with the hardest tasks. Like there's a scene where he's going to like sabotage like, and hijack these two missiles, and he puts yeah. Otis in charge. Of yeah, actually yeah. like hijacking the missiles while he's just driving an ambulance to pick up a fake like Miss Tessmacher who's faking a car accident. Like that's yeah, an that's... Otis job. Your job should be to change the <laughs> missiles. It's your plan. Yeah, You're the supposed I... genius. What the hell are you doing? This is the same effect as somebody talking shit on your brother, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you can't do that because he's my brother. So yeah. I can talk shit on him. You can't, <laughs> you know, but, mm-hmm. but to the, but to Gene Hackman's credit though, like, yeah, I don't think this was, like, the best Lex Luthor movie. Mm-hmm. It, it gets better, you know, obviously, in the next one. Yeah. But we're not focusing on that. Mm-hmm. So, for this one, it, you know, they did what they could. Yep. I, and I, I haven't actually seen, like, the, the Donner cut, actually, of this this mm-hmm. movie. But at least for what we have here, it is a strong yeah. representation of Superman. And the action that's there, I mean, you can see where the money went in in this movie for 1978. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so. The scenes, and again, like, I know, like, like not everything holds up. There's a lot of work with miniatures in this. And yeah, when yeah, you're yeah. using miniatures within an atmosphere versus, like, miniatures in outer space where it's a black background, yeah. the black background really helps things, like, look fine and look really good because you don't have any sort of, like, lighting issues. You don't have anything to make it look real. It can just be in space. Whereas, like, if you're showing things like, you know, a mountain collapsing or you're showing a car being, like, sucked into the ground, like, those are hard to do and make look real when you have to work with miniatures and you have it actually being on a planet. Like, so you can say something like maybe, like, Star Wars holds up better. Like, well, it's fucking easier for Star Wars to hold up better. Like, (laughs) like, it's the same reason, like, like, 80s space scenes hold up fine because they're fucking in space. It's a black background with some with some simple CGI. It's going to hold up yeah. a lot easier than trying to watch someone fly. But when you watch Superman fly in this movie, there's a, there's a line actually in the first page of Kingdom Come, the graphic novel. They say they yeah. dedicate this book to Christopher Reeve, who made us believe man could fly. And it's yeah, because yeah. in this movie, the flight looks incredible. It, yeah. In 1978, you don't see strings. You don't see, like, terrible like, green screen behind them and when they did test flights and everything it did look terrible but Christopher Reeve who had experience like working with like gliders and hang gliding he's like no no no, no. if I move my body a certain way it's gonna look better just let me take care of it let me do my thing and I'll make this look good and he did he completely saved that 
from looking awful. So not only is it just like he physically made us think that he was actually flying, but like, again, the fact that he was Superman and flying, like he did an amazing job at that. And it looked really good for 1978. And again, I still think like of the special effects, that's what holds up the best is him flying. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, and I think for once again, the defining moment of Superman in this movie the the romance between him and Lois was really well done because mm-hmm. for a lot of these superhero movies, these romances usually happen with like only a couple scenes and they're yeah. they're short. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no explanation really, and then it's like, okay, I'm gonna kiss you before we might possibly die, but we all know we'll actually survive anyway. Yeah, we're, we're making it through this with the main character. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got plot armor, but yeah. But I, I will say for me that that is where I kind of lived with this too. Is that this was a very well made piece of drama held within, you know, what could have easily been camp, you know, yeah. or could have been you know lost to ridiculousness of some mm-hmm. superhero movies. So yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think what's what's interesting here, though, is that once again, for the folks that haven't followed the Superman movies closely, Superman Returns can actually be kind of confusing and jarring to you if mm-hmm. you don't actually understand what they were trying to accomplish here. Right. Absolutely. Because. Yeah, because it's it's 2006, man. Mm-hmm. Like, like jump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, I couldn't believe that it, that that was the the amount of time that took place between these movies. Even though there there were multiple, you know, Christopher Reeve movies, but uh, in this case, though, Superman Returns, I always like to call it uh, not Superman Returns, but more in his image because yep. this is this is a continuation of what happens in one and two mm-hmm. and we kind of just forget that three and four ever happened yep sorry richard <laughs> Pryor. it's just just yep. just 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 tuck that down you know just just just, just <laughs> put it down there mm-hmm. and and so when i watched superman returns when we we look at this movie for one it's not modern day you know storytelling Mm-mm. it's we're we're still living within the Donnerverse, yeah. But but now Brian Singer is trying to tell a story in that backdrop, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it, I think that's that confused a lot of people when this movie came out. They were like, "One, why does why does the architecture look that way? Yeah, you know, why why does it feel like this is thirty years ago?" Mm-hmm. And it's like, "Well, that's because it is it's supposed it's, to be." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it is. It's really, it's really jarring. You you see that for the first time, and you're mm-hmm. thinking, I'm sitting down watching like X Men and and Spider Man and all these other superhero movies, and then suddenly I get this DC project in front of me, which, frankly, kind of kicks off this this whole like DC curse <laughs> in a way, mm-hmm. right? Like like you're you're looking at this compared to everything else, and you're going, what the fuck is this? Yeah. I don't understand what this is at all. I, and that's that's actually the question I had too. I was a teenager at the time when yep. I watched this for the first time. And I'm going, I yeah, I've watched the original Superman with my dad on a weekend randomly. Okay. But coming into this, I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you. Um, I I think I kind of read up on this before I went, and I knew how much Brian Singer was talking about how he wanted to respect what Richard Donner had done beforehand. He was someone who really didn't like the idea that he got taken off of Superman 2 and yeah. they had another director finish it. So he wanted to do this thing where he was paying a lot of respect to Richard Donner. So I was kind of expecting that to happen. Um, yeah. So I wasn't I wasn't as jarred by it as, as many were. Um, so going into it, I was, I was fully ready for it. Like, all right, 
boom, we're going to wipe out Superman 3 and 4. Totally fine with me. Let's do this. Um, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think anyone who saw it and anyone mm -hmm. who knew people who saw it was okay with that decision yes. because those are some rough movies. Mm -hmm. And I think we all agree on that. And if you don't agree on that, just go to YouTube and type in <laughs> Quest for Peace. Oh, Things God. will make sense. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Immediately. Completely. Oh, my God. Yeah, Quest for Peace was bad. Like the weird Patrick Swayze, Lex Luthor, Superman, Lex Luthor mix clone. Doesn't work. Um, Fortunately, we're not here to talk about that today. So let's focus on Brandon Routh uh, as Superman in this case. Okay. So this is, okay, Brandon Routh in this case, and it's easy to make this comparison now because we've seen, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm -hmm. He is the Andrew Garfield and Superman, you know, like the Andrew Garfield that just didn't get enough of a, of a chance yeah and for some of the people that criticized his performance in this movie because a lot of people that so many people criticized him in the beginning mm -hmm. when i watched the movie the first time i didn't actually have a problem with how he how he did it i mean he just did a really good reeve impression yeah you know he was doing the same stumbling mm -hmm. but one thing i will give him here is that the the facial expressions were hilarious like whenever he's trying to to show his human side to people, mm -hmm. right? Like when he's eating food, he's kind of eating <laughs> like a horse, right? Oh my god, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you know, when he's when he noticed that uh that Lois is looking at him from across the office and he kind of looks at him and then <laughs> like perks up and then does the whole hand raise, you know, awkward. Yep. All of that was was just it was perfect. It was so well done. Yeah. And it's it's this whole idea that Lois and um her they don't say exactly how serious like her relationship is with Richard White in this movie, who's played by James yeah. Marsden. Um, she yeah. she starts to say it in one scene and then quickly says, "My," she says, "My Richard." <laughs> she stops yeah. herself, so you don't know if they're married, if they're engaged, if they're going out with each other. We don't know what they are, but they're talking about Superman, and then they say like, "Well, who is Superman?" And then I think. Richard actually brings up that sounds a lot like Clark, like same height, yeah. same weight, same hair color. Like I, it could be Clark. And of course, overhearing this Superman, here's what's going on. So that as they're turning to look at Clark, he like rams his knee into his desk yeah. and like yeah, stumbles. stumbles a little bit and then yeah. sees that they see him. So he waves and laughs. And then he, and yeah. they go like, fuck it. No, there's no way that guy's Superman. But, and, and this, this is why I think, for some of the folks that don't like Brian Singer, there's a lot of different reasons why. In this case, though, he he does a very, very good job of carrying things from 1978 to 2006. And that's yeah. one of them. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the fact that people are always kind of thinking, he looks a lot like them. You know, yeah. they, Clark and Superman, they look a lot alike. And then mm -hmm. then then he'll do something silly. You know, yeah. and then someone's like, yeah, yeah, there we go, know. there we go. Like it's because that's a, that's part of it. Is like the the glasses are only part of the disguise, right? That he yeah. like fundamentally as a person, the way he his mannerisms, like you would say that like there's no way that guy could be Superman. And even like if you look at um uh, like um even real life, look uh, Annette Tool who played Lana, the original Lana Lang in the '70s and '80s movies, or I mm -hmm. guess the '80s movies because she shows up as Lana Lang in Superman three. And then she plays Martha Kent in Smallville. Uh, so she shows yeah. up again in the Superman lore. Huge Superman fan growing up, she admits. Like, Superman fangirl, like, to 100%. Um, 
And then she yeah. gets cast as Lana Lang um, in the movie. And like most of her scenes are with Clark Kent. But then eventually yeah. she says, and she's like, I wor- like I'd never worked with Christopher Reeve before, but like before like the movie filmed, he was such a sweetheart. He took me to like a Simon Garfunkel concert with his family. Um, all the scenes we had together is like Lana and Clark Kent like went so well without a hitch. She was so awesome. And she's like, and then finally, finally, we get to the part where we're both ready to have a Lana Lang and Superman scene. And she's like, I'm in a room and I, I, I'm waiting for everyone to show up. I'm, I'm, I'm there waiting. And then suddenly from behind me, I hear a, like a, a hello in a slightly deeper tone than what I'm used to. She turns around. She's like, and it's Christopher and it's Christopher in the Superman suit for the first time that I've ever seen him in it in person. And she's yeah. like, I barely knew it was him. Like, I was just so taken aback that here he is in this costume. It's like, I actually saw Superman in real life and she was taken aback. We're like, this isn't Christopher anymore. This is Superman. And I think that's also part of it is that he's such a larger than life character that when you actually see the two for the, or you see one and the other, you don't even see them as the same person. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. I, and, and it's poetic and, and it's a beautiful story mm-hmm. and, uh, and I, I can appreciate where, what you're getting at, but fuck all that. Seriously. <laughs> I, I, come on. You, you've seen me in, in a costume before you've seen me in, you know, all terrain mode. You've seen mm-hmm. me in, in athletic mark mode. You know who I am each time. It, it, it's, it's not confusing. Hat off, hat on glasses off, glasses on, you know, come on. You could fucking tell who that is. <laughs> Come on, seriously, you know, and, and and that's why I think it's important to have that callback, right? The, the callback to the original movie, because then at least you can suspend your belief mm-hmm. for a moment, right? Yeah. Like you're like going, okay, yeah, I think I understand where they're getting at, and, mm-hmm. and it's it's always a comedic moment too. It's oh, never, always. yeah, yeah. Well, for the exception of Superman the movie where he catches the bullet, it's like it's kind yeah. of a serious moment. Mm-hmm. They kind of laugh off. It's like, yeah, you just laughed off someone almost being like bodied yeah. in an alley, mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> doesn't quite happen here. No. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah. So the callbacks are really good. Um, I, I really do like how the interactions between Lois and Superman mm-hmm. also mirror that sentiment because you know Superman's been gone for like five years. Yep. You know he. Mm-hmm. People like people claim that they found Krypton, and mm-hmm. so he's he's like, okay, I'm gonna go take off yep. and check this shit out, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so he he just straight up leaves everybody behind, and obviously, this is the wake of everything personal, mm-hmm. and and just in the life of Superman that occurs, right? And so obviously Lois has a hard time with this, mm-hmm. believe it or not, but when when he actually meets up with her once he comes back. And they kind of relive that night with Superman moment, mm-hmm. you know, where she goes out to smoke and and uh, he says the exact same line that yep. Superman says to Lois, uh, where it's like, isn't it like smoking is bad for your health, Lois, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it's very like after school special. Like, you know, you shouldn't smoke, right, Miss Lane? You know, you, should, you, know, you it's, I think it's, shouldn't, you shouldn't be smoking, Miss Lane. Miss Miss Lane, yes, yeah. that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I I actually really appreciated that scene and it's mm-hmm. not just because of the callback but just because of of that dynamic they allowed to let live on you know because you, you've and i'm not trying to say that you're romantic with your friends but mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe you are i don't know <laughs> that's <laughs> but, just me but, but i love everyone but when, mark 
yeah, look, yeah. Look at your boyfriend. Now look at me. Look at him. Now look at me. Yeah, you know, when you look at this scene, it it reminds me of when you haven't seen a friend in a while, mm -hmm. and nothing has changed yet. So much has changed now, right? And so that's that's what you really get out of this is that, mm -hmm. yeah, there's there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of issues that came up because he left for five years, mm -hmm. and then suddenly, it's gone. Yeah, you know, they're they're embracing. They're going on the flight again, mm -hmm. and it's like it's like nothing changed for them. Yeah, and so that's what I love about this is that even though Superman did something un-Superman like, very, you know, just took off. <laughs> it, he just nothing, he's just gone. Mm -hmm. Just take takes off, you know, uh, like an '80s dad at the end of the movie riding the motorcycle. You know, he's just out of there, mm -hmm. and he comes back, and it's like he's the same dude. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he is the same Superman. Mm -hmm. And so that that's what I thought was uh, both interesting as a plot device, mm -hmm. but also questionable at the same time, because it's like, what did he learn when he was gone? Nothing. That, I think that's what his point is up to. He basically finds it like, oh, it's not there. <laughs> it, it is yeah. gone. Um, which a couple comments on that in a little bit. But before, you know what? I'll do that now. I always say a little bit. So a couple things with that is one, they're actually, the movie was supposed to start off with the scene of Superman leaving. And ah, it was okay. supposed to be him getting on the ship after he found out uh, Krypton might be there and he takes off. That scene cost $10 million and they didn't use it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Which also on that note, I think this movie's budget was $270 million. They reportedly used 200 of it. I don't know how... My guess is the figure is somewhere between those two. Um, and yeah. it grossed $391 million. Still not not the worst thing not ever. The worst thing you know. ever. Which, by the way, Batman Begins grossed three hundred seventy four million. Yeah, but what kind of budget did it have? I thought Batman oh, Begins Begins a... budget was one fifty. Oh so wow! It was okay. it was so technically it did make more money than Superman Returns, uh, even though Superman Returns had the higher gross. But I mean, yeah. financially, the movie was a success, and even um, critically, most by and large, the critics enjoyed it, and I think the fans yeah. enjoyed it. Um, but it ended up flopping. But uh, other than that, one of the things this movie had was like any superhero movie had a video game tie-in. And <laughs> in the video game tie-in, like the graphics were awful. But one thing that the video game did really great uh, was that Superman couldn't take damage. The city took yeah, damage. Yeah, the city took damage, yeah. So that way if the city loses enough health, like you fail as Superman, the game's over. But you actually learn towards the end of this game, which the end of the game is terrible. The final boss is a fucking tornado. It's awful. Um, but you find out that Lex Luthor is the one who made like false evidence to think that Krypton was actually out there. It was a plan just to get Superman off planet. Oh my. So it was actually kind of a fun, like, oh, that's actually a really cool thing that they did. Um, the tie in with the movie, which they like, never comes up in the movie. But now yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, I, I was gonna say it's it it's to the point where you kind of fix some of the errors of you know, Superman one mm -hmm. in this movie, because uh, obviously Kevin Spacey is a piece of shit now. And yeah. I think most people disavow him without even a second thought, mm -hmm. but his character of Lex Luthor is much more deranged yet. Mm -hmm. He contains it in front of people, you yeah. know, except for a couple moments, <laughs> like mm -hmm. when he screams at Lois. Yeah. Um, so for him in this movie, mm -hmm. the the Lex Luthor character, I think, was much more fleshed out, yeah. much better understood. Mm -hmm. And knowing that from the video game now, uh, it, it definitely 
makes everything cohesive for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I mean, I really appreciated it because it's not like we had to wait half the movie to see Lex Luthor no. in this one. <laughs> we actually, I think the movie, I think it opens with him. It I'm pretty sure it's pretty early on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. pretty damn early. Yep. Yeah. He swindles so... a little old lady out of her money. <laughs> yeah. That shows how he, how he got his millions in this movie. But um, I did want to go back and talk about Lex Luthor and Lois Lane in this, but I think we've given Kevin Spacey all the time he deserves. Um, so <laughs> yeah. um, this Lois Lane by Kate Bosworth, uh, I think yeah. is, again, we talked about like this movie being a little underappreciated. She is vastly underappreciated as Lois Lane. She does this great job of showing that she is hurt by what happened, but she is still who she was she's still a bit of who she was before Superman left and how she can't just go right back to who she was now that he's back. She does a great job of showing that and that she's, she's kind of, she reluctantly moved on and she's now living in that life. But also like when I said that like Margot Kidder's like Lois Lane is kind of the worst Lois Lane, which has nothing to do with Margot Kidder, by the way. It's mostly because Margot Kidder's Lois Lane is very much the 30s comic book Lois Lane. Oh no, she's kind of like putting her nose or sticking her nose where it doesn't belong. She's gotten in trouble. Superman has to save her. And while that does happen to, um, to Kate Bosworth's Lois Lane, it's more believable because this Lois Lane is a legitimate like investigative reporter where... Yeah. Part of what happens in this movie is a massive EMP happens. It was Lex Luthor's fault. But she's the one who figures that out. Superman doesn't yeah. figure that out. No one else figures that out. She refuses to let it go. And you actually see her tracing this blackout from you know, when it hit her, when she's in the sky, all the yep. way down to its center point. And she's doing the reporting and the investigation on that. And she refuses yep. to let it go. So here's, like I think, honestly, one of the first and best times we see Lois Lane on screen. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna say, I will say big screen because I'm not gonna. We're not gonna comment on on TV Lois Lanes in this episode. But, I, uh, but mm-hmm. to your point though, it, it, especially when you mentioned that we're not trashing Margot Margot Kidder at all, mm-hmm. it's it's literally just because you have these movies to compare each other to. You yep. know that that's that's the only reason why one might seem better than the other but mm-hmm. it's true though i mean this this lois lane but you know by kate bosworth was i, I think it's one of my favorite lois lane depictions that's ever happened mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> because she she's she's very capable you know she's not just uh she's not just holding the arm of clark you know or of uh superman you know she's she's definitely done a lot in this movie and mm-hmm. winning a uh you know a pulitzer and all that and like mm-hmm just just showing what she was capable of doing without him there i think that was really important to to get you know get on the screen and i think that was the point obviously but mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think i think it was a lot of fun seeing her kind of put into that position and in a lot of ways it's it's very count of monte cristo like mm-hmm. without the revenge aspect of course yeah where you know life changed because someone disappeared or, or you know was gone mm-hmm. and obviously the plot thread of having a child of superman it's kind of the same boat, you yeah. know? So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, mm-hmm. for me, it was fun because it's, it's disappointing to see they were meant to be together. Mm-hmm. They're not. Yep. And now we get to see the fallout of that. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's a hard thing to see. It's, it's really hard to Fair. see. And, 
Yeah. And, and especially when you look at the fact that the one Margot Kidder's Lois Lane is constantly chasing the a, a, a Pulitzer um, throughout yeah. all of her movies. That's that's Lois Lane's dream. And of course, this Lois Lane has achieved that. And she got yep. an article called Why the World Doesn't Need Superman. Yeah. So yeah. that's just another like, you know, it's I think it's part of you know, good writing on this movie. Part. It shows <laughs> that like she won forced herself to move on and helped the world move on when Superman left. Yeah. But as soon as she's holding him on that rooftop, it's like, you, you don't even Jeez. need to have, you don't, yeah, you don't even have, there, there doesn't need to be music playing, but all I heard was, Oh, it's like, yeah, it's like, Oh, I forgot how warm you were, baby. Mm. How you doing? You know, mm-hmm. like, like it, it was good, man. It's, you know, I'm, I'm a sap. I, I love seeing, uh, how these these romance stories play out and especially the pain of it the pain of this scene was was really powerful and and i that's why i think it is it's one of the, the better depictions man one of the, yeah. the, the better ones you're going to see out there mm-hmm. but i also think that in terms of on-screen superman performances this probably has the most iconic scene oh in in all of of the films oh hands down absolutely yeah. i mean this is this and it's even like a scene that you knew was going to happen because it was it was in the previews for the movie, and usually we can complain yeah. that like the the previews always reveal too much, um, but when it comes to this scene, if you're not familiar with Superman Returns, there's a scene where he uh, he stops a plane from falling, and Lois is of course on the plane. Uh, the, the the idea is that like they were trying to show um, how they're going to make space like flight more affordable. That eventually that making it so that anyone can go into space so they've got like basically a, a shuttle on the top of like a boeing 747 and the the basically going to piggyback up into the upper atmosphere and then the shuttle takes off so yeah. of course the emp happens the the shuttle won't release and it just starts taking off then superman has to come and save the day so yeah. he stops this plane from going down and i also this is a great time to point out that this was the first movie that was converted for imax 3d and Ooh. I remember I saw this movie in IMAX 3D. And nice. So where you look at modern like 3D movies, I get that that trend's kind of died off with the 3D things. Yeah. It got big yeah. and yeah. But when it first started coming back, because 3D movies, like they happened back in the fucking, what, I think 50s um, with well, like, really it, flimsy glasses and everything. But yeah. with this and these early ones, what you got was basically on the bottom of the screen, you have a little notification flashing that a 3D scene is about to happen. Yeah. And this, when that came on, it was literally uh, after after Clark Kent runs out of the office and he rips open his shirt to reveal yeah, the yeah, yeah. And then you get this yeah. notification that a 3D scene is coming. Like, oh, they, they timed it so well. I think I still have my 3D glasses from that movie somewhere. <laughs> nice. um, but you get those on and then you see this plane like falling out of the sky coming at you. And then you've got like these like F-15s that were supposed to be like making sure that no one interfered with the flight. And then they're picking up a bogey coming in ridiculously fast and like, but it's too small to be a plane. And then you see like Lois is pinned against like the back of the plane as it's yeah, falling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She takes a yeah. peek out the window and whoof, Superman flies by. Yeah. Um, he is able to release the shuttle from the plane. The plane's plummeting as he's like making sure the shuttle gets off. And yeah, what yeah, happens yeah. next is just incredible. <laughs> it, well, uh, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it, in terms of like iconography, you know, people have seen 
the image of Atlas from Greek mythology, who's carrying the world on his back, right? And that's the image that you get out of this when he's, for one, taking the shuttle off the plane and then, and then actually trying to save the plane himself. Mm -hmm. Like you can see that, like it, it's that image is there. The the weight yep. of the world is on his back, and he is mm -hmm. trying to save this thing. And whenever I've seen pictures of like Superman, the first things I think of are like the cover where he's like he's got the car in the air oh, and yeah. he's like mm -hmm. and he and, and that position that he's got it's it's the same look like mm -hmm. it's that same look when he's doing that so i i really thought that was someone once again these are deliberate actions oh, yeah. someone took and <laughs> yeah just like the the last part of that or of him catching the plane to make sure it doesn't fall they did like a good job of trying to do um trying to make this realistic because if he just grabbed it from the bottom the thing would have just like kind of like nope broken around him yeah. so like he rips off a ring the other ring flies off and he's got it down just the fuselage and the fuselage starts pointing down and he's saving it by holding it down from the nose and you yeah. can see like the plane rippling as it's like as yeah, he's yeah, stopping yeah. it to bring it down and it just looks so fucking cool and amazing yeah and then when he finally stops it safely and then puts it down and he goes onto the plane and this is where you like again like it really defines superman because we see this amazing like test of his strength is that he's just one he did it like you said like, like the weight of his shoulders it's more the weight of his shoulders because like he's calculating how to do it like he's trying to make yeah. sure no one like no one dies because yes. like he can clearly he can he can stop the plane from falling so yeah. like he doesn't break a sweat doing it rips open the door walks onto the plane everyone is just in awe of seeing that he's there because he's been gone for five years he yeah. wants to make sure every single person is fine. He checks on everyone. He makes a quick little eye at Lois. And then right before <laughs> he gets off, he says, and statistically speaking, and he's yeah. like, I hope this isn't I hope this hasn't turned anyone off from flying. Yeah. Statistically speaking, it's still the safest way to travel. Yeah. And then he gets off the plane, which is like such one it is a callback like him saying that to Lois in the first in the first movie. Yeah. But it's such a fucking Superman thing to do. It's like, bye one, I hope you're not scared. This is still really safe. Have a nice day. And then he yeah. then he flies off. Oh yeah. It's mm -hmm. it's it's wonderful. And and that's once again for for people who have never seen it and then you go back and watch it. Once you realize just truly how how well this references the first movie mm -hmm. and how you're not losing a whole lot in translation from the mm -hmm. characters that they started with and where they are now, that's what this movie, I think, outside of the plane rescue, that's the the legacy of this film. Oh, and yeah. and, it, and it's it's what people I think hopefully will start to pick up on because mm -hmm. once again, Brandon Ruth got destroyed for his depiction of Superman. And and this movie was was just, you know, perhaps I treated you too harshly. You know, <laughs> I I hope people start to realize that. And he got some redemption, you know, in playing the character again. Granted, it wasn't the same Superman, right? But yeah. um, but either way, he great job with it. And that's what I, as you mentioned, it is important to notice that as he's saving people, he isn't just thinking about how i can do this as quickly as possible mm -hmm. it's it's definitely thought out that i don't want anyone to be hurt here i want to figure this out mm -hmm. which which brings us to man of steel yeah and <laughs> also fun note about man of steel before we get there our two leads in this movie henry cavill is superman plays clark kent and amy adams who plays lois lane both tried out for both superman and lois lane 
in Superman Returns, and I think it was literally down to Brandon Routh and Chris and uh, uh, Brandon Routh and Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. And Routh won. <laughs> the unluckiest man that's... in Hollywood. I'm sorry. Sorry, Henry Cavill. Hey, you heard Carlos Faro tell us mm-hmm. that story too uh, a few a few weeks ago on this program. If y'all listened to that. Uh, good old full frontal nerdity and it's <laughs> it's it's true how incestuous some of these roles can be right i mean mm-hmm. the same thing goes for uh the new peter parker you know the i can't remember the kid's name that's on miss marvel uh he's one of the the main cast he tried out for peter parker and lost it to tom holland and so like all these all these actors are you know trying to get mm-hmm. that same slice of pie and i am happy to see that henry cavill did eventually get the role yeah you know, I've always been a big fan of the guy, but this movie <laughs> directed mm-hmm. by Zack Snyder, I feel like it, I'm guessing, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm guessing this performed a little bit better than Superman Returns. Right? It did. Its budget was $225 million. It grossed $668 million. Okay. So, that, so yeah, yeah, it did well. Like, yeah. commercially did well. Um, it did well enough to get a sequel. Except the decision for the sequel they made is where things really... I mean, they were veering south by the end of Man of Steel. Like, they were like, maybe we should pull up. And they decided, like, nah, we'll just put the plane down. Um, I think this was the decision by Zack Snyder here. But, so, I hate to go right into, like... Because, one, I, like, walking away, I still appreciate Man of Steel. I I still like Man of Steel. Um, But it definitely has this feel, like, Zack Snyder was given what needs to happen in a Superman movie. Like, I will do X, Y, and Z, but I will do X, Y, and Z as though they were A, B, C, and 4. Like, he just throws in a number out of nowhere. Um, what? Why not just start with the the obvious thing here, which mm-hmm. is the relationship between Clark and Pa Kent, right? Yeah. Or Jonathan Kent, right? Yep. For, for me, having seen the original one, and then having seen this, this was one of the most frustrating things for me to watch. Completely. Yeah, because because like Jonathan Kent just he just keeps telling his boy, like, yeah, you're gonna get your ass kicked for a while. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just keep getting your ass kicked, no matter what happens. Just yeah. just let your ass get kicked, boy. Okay. That's all you need to do. Because <laughs> seriously, that's the only lesson he gets from his dad in this whole thing. Yep. And, and like, also don't use your powers. Don't use your powers. Don't use your powers. Don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. There's even like there's again like the the scene of there's a scene in this movie where like young Clark and he's in a school bus. The school bus goes over a bridge. It goes into the water, and young Clark saves the school bus. And yeah. obviously, like other kids, kind of see him do this. And kid and mom go to the Kent family to like say like we saw Clark do this. It's unbelievable. This is providence. Blah 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 blah. And Kent's like, I think he was just seeing things. There's no way you're telling me my kid pushed a bus onto land. And so then yeah. afterwards, like, he, he, he writes it off like that. And afterwards goes to talk to Clark about it. And young Clark says the best thing ever. He's like, was I just supposed to let them die? And he, Jonathan Kent, not fucking kidding, says, maybe. Yeah, Jonathan Kent. Maybe? That, maybe you should have just let them die? In that moment, the first time I watched it, oh it was like, God. Jonathan Kent, the subtitles just uh, said, hey, fuck them kids. Yeah, fuck like, them kids. It, like sorry. It takes this idea like of like, you know, we said Pa Kent in the original one saying, like, I don't have all the answers for you, son. 
But what I can say is you're meant for something great and better than throwing a fucking football to, I don't have the answers, son. <laughs> to, well, I don't have the answers. <laughs> Let some people die. Yeah. Until we figure this out. That way <laughs> no one knows that you're, you've got superpowers and you're from another planet. Yeah, um, son, leave no witnesses. That's the, that's, that's the lesson. For podcast to this one, and one thing because I think like one of the scenes we want to break down is is Krypton in this because this oh, yeah. I think does I mean seventy eight spends a nice time on Krypton and showing the fall of the planet returns as a sequel so it does not bother with Krypton other than like I guess like the in the opening crawl is the destruction of Krypton and it's literally yeah. Brandau like the same audio from seventy eight. It is, and then it you is. see the sun blow up and Krypton's gone. But, but that's, that's but on, all we on. spend on there. Let's call seventy eight for what it is. It wasn't Krypton. It was more like Kryptron Crypt- because Kryptron <laughs> because everybody's got these you know weird colors yeah. and it's like it's clearly done after the fact. So mm-hmm. it, I always called it Kryptron because it just looks so weird. It does. But yes, when we get to Man of Steel, though, obviously we have the benefit of you know, 40 years of CGI development and all that good stuff. So this is like the most fleshed out, you know, the, the prettiest looking yeah. because, you know, the Kryptron looked really depressing, even though it's supposed to be like this heightened, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what, not humanity, but like, you know, this, I mean, this, this, this is higher evolution. Humanity on ice with yes. oil. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> is, right. Is how they show Krypton in that. Um, that's right. But when we look at like the roles of like, you know, his Kryptonian parents and his his parents um, on Earth is he gets who he is from his parents on Earth. That's what defines Superman. And yeah. like his parents on on Krypton, they they're kind of like a guide. They're a guide for how to use your fucking powers. They're his manual for like okay, this is how you this is how you want to save people. Okay, we'll show you how to do that sort of thing. Whereas in this movie, it's the I don't, not even the opposite, because you've got Pa Kent, who, um, like Jonathan Kent in Man of Steel, who is like, don't use your powers, don't save people, fucking whatever. And then you've got, like, Laura and, and um, Jorel, who are very much caring about what's going to happen to their kid. So unlike yes. the, the cold debate of, or the, the, um, the just the facts versus the emotionality debate that we got in 78... <laughs> This is it wasn't standard here. gender. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't standard gender roles or anything like it. Like these these parents actually took on like logical mm-hmm. thinking, like emotional intelligence kind of yeah. conversation. Mm-hmm. But what, but you have to remember though, Superman's dad in this in this movie is played by Russell Crowe, mm-hmm. who is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the North, general of the Felix Legions, and loyal servant to the true emperor Marcus Aurelius. True. Also so, has a, has a tugboat named Tugger. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, he, he, that, and I really do think his, his involvement, you know, is one of the strengths of this movie because mm-hmm. it, it's a side to, 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 I don't know, to Jor-El that's like, it's not what we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Like, like we talked about with, <laughs> with the Donnerverse and Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando, yeah, he was, he did a good job, but it was still kind of weird to look at. Yeah. Whereas this Jor-El is, he's very helpful. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's got the fatherly aspect of things, but he's he's all about like o- almost like teaching Batman to be Batman yeah. kind of thing. Like he he's like, yeah, I, I've got all this knowledge I'm going to bestow upon you. Mm-hmm. We're actually going to see what that knowledge is. 
and he's kind of playful in a sense like stop me if you think i'm wrong here but i i got this like dumbledore vibe out of him a little bit yeah <laughs> a little bit he's got the beard he's very knowledgeable he can still kick a lot of ass of what we see in this movie um, yeah and he's he's very dumbledoreish i guess in, in in that respect and in others again like we look at krypton on this movie um this is where Snyder starts to take some liberties with the, the, the Kryptonian story, which in this part, honestly, fine. I'm glad that he did because he takes this idea of showing that instead of like Krypton's sun exploding, it's literally like, hey, we've run out of shit on the planet to make the shit we use. So they start mining the core of the planet and it causes like, well, the planet's going to implode. We're, yeah. The planet's fucked. Um, and Jarrell's like, we shouldn't do that, guys. And so... <laughs> Which, again, is also like Jarrell and everything. It's like, hey, guys, we shouldn't do this. Something bad's going to happen if we do this. And they're like, nah, man, we're just going to keep doing it. But you get this, the same message that he had before. But then when it comes to this idea of how Krypton is actually made is that their citizens are genetically engineered as they take DNA from parents. They put them together to make these artificial births. And it's they, they, the, the basically the, the DNA is combined for the role of the yeah the, the assigned birth. the assigned yeah, yeah the assigned yeah. role of the, mm -hmm. the birth yeah exactly yeah. so you have Jarrell and Laura and they're like we want to actually make someone who can be what they want we want to bring something in this world that we can love and raise and yeah. so they have the first natural birth Krypton has seen in decades and here is again like this is where like I think we would have gone traditional Superman if he would have if Jarrell and Laura would have came with him. We would have gotten a much more heartfelt character, a much more Superman we're used to if it started in a very unway in a way that we're not used to and have his parents actually survive. Because you can see here <clears throat> these two strug both struggling to actually put Kal-El on the ship, but also yes. at the same time like, well, if we don't put him on the ship, he is definitely going to die. And while his future is unknown to us it's still better than him dying now yeah oh yeah and and anything's better than sending him away in something that looked like the dick pods that we got out of this one <laughs> yeah the, the kryptonian <laughs> prisoner <laughs> pods that oh were literally i'm sorry if, if you okay so if, if you haven't seen this if you haven't seen this movie uh, General Zod, who you know obviously appears in the the Donnerverse, mm -hmm. he he's the main antagonist of Man of Steel, and kind of leads an insurrection that some folks have an issue with on Krypton, mm -hmm. and then they send away these like prisoner pods that are literally giant black dildos yes. that just float into space, mm -hmm. and and once you see it, like you I, I it. <laughs> no, it's always a penis. Just like it's like Zach, Mister Snyder, like all, all due respect. That's a giant dick. You wrote off on this? You signed off on this idea. <laughs> yeah, it's like that that got through creative and, and through designs. And then you actually I put the fucking thing into a computer. It's like, no. no. Somebody, mm -mm. somebody please stop this. That's a yep. that's a giant penis up there. Oh my gosh. Um, mm -hmm. But all all point all of that, all that aside, mm -hmm. this version of Krypton was very cool. It's actually what I kind of think that Krypton always should have been. It's this, mm -hmm. you know, this this large sprawling technology driven higher evolution type of environment and and that's what you definitely get you get that out of that and so mm -hmm. i think for me it actually makes the loss of krypton a little bit like 
a little bit more meaningful, yeah. right? You know, because in in the in the first movie, like losing Kryptron, I'm like, dude, my eyes would hurt looking at those outfits all day. Mm -hmm. So I'm not actually all that you know bent out of shape over it's it. Sad about it going away. Yeah. No, no. But seeing this Krypton, you know, go away, especially when you get to see how. You know, the armor has a purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, every family has uh, their own specific armor once again because yeah. they have the their own logos and their their roles on Krypton mm -hmm. and all that. Uh, it was just really cool to see that fleshed out. And I, you know, even if there were some liberties taken, still pretty fun. I, I thought that was really cool. And that's, I think, is one of the coolest and also kind of saddest parts of this movie is that the opening is fantastic. It sets yeah. you up. You've got a good amount of story, a good blend of action, uh, some sorrow mixed in there, and yeah. it gets you going. It's like, this is going to be great. Like, this might be the Superman movie we've been waiting for for the longest time. Because yeah. now, yeah. especially like seeing that we're going to start with Zod, we're not going to have Lex Luthor necessarily be, as far as we can tell, probably not going to be the main villain in this movie, which is nice. We had, to, we had to give Lex some time to, like, you know, incubate for a while. Granted, when he came out of incubation in this 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 movie iteration it wasn't great but yeah you know, we'll, we're not gonna talk about him because he's he's a different movie i know i have to say it jesse eisenberg you tried you failed let's just move on second worst lex luther ever it just he's just not good not good just just not not great no. not great but anyway so zod's gonna be our our villain for this movie um who comes which up. yeah his okay sorry to cut you off no 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 go ahead but this version of zod once again, we've talked about this in a couple episodes. This is actually back in like season one. Mm -hmm. There are some aspects of Zod that I actually kind of supported, you know, in, in a sense. Like, yeah, he's still he's still kind of a zealot and he's still kind of killing for all the wrong reasons, right? Mm -hmm. The way he's depicted, it's like I I could buy into some of this. Yeah. You know, once again, relatable villains. When you can actually understand what they're trying to do and why they're trying to do it, okay. Yeah, I got that. I, I, yeah, this... He's not a villain for the sake of being a villain. No, he's not. He's not. And so that's what I thought was really good about this mm -hmm. is that the obviously the the struggle and everything that happens on Krypton carries over to Earth. That's, you know, that's that's mm -hmm. it's fine. Yeah. And I, I just really appreciated it. I thought it was a really good job. I mean, I'll give I'll give Snyder credit for that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, it's really like, good. Not all of his ideas, I think. His big picture idea is what ruins everything, but oh. um, yeah, that's what that's what kills it. But then yeah, we go can, ahead. Yeah, getting into like again more of the character of this movie. So while we talked about Pa Kent or Jonathan Kent being horrible in this movie, like he's the worst, honestly worst role model that he could that Clark could have growing up. Other than that, we have Martha Kent, who is played by the one and only. Very lovely, lovely Diane Lane. Yes. <laughs> yes. Who, as we can see in this movie, again, we kind of see that reversal. Like we talked about uh, how Martha and John are typically the, the moral center and Jorel is the guidebook for the powers. We see yeah. young Clark struggling with his hearing, with x-ray vision, with everything. And when it came to anyone helping him with that, it was Martha. Especially yeah, the man. scene where like he's hearing everything at once and he's freaking out about it. And he darts away, gets out of the classroom, locks himself in a janitor's closet, refuses to come and refuses to come out because he can hear everything. Martha's what who talks him through it and gives him advice on how to actually focus and harness his powers into what he's doing. So we have her seemingly doing a good job, and actually this is where it gets a little confusing for me 
because I can't remember if this line is particularly from this movie or from Batman versus Superman. Um, but <laughs> eventually, like Clark grows up. Uh, we've got Henry Cavill playing him now. We have, of course, he's, dead, like, he's on the, he's he's on Deadliest Catch now. He is. He's he eventually yeah. gets the Deadliest Catch after he takes a position as a busser at a bar in Alaska. Uh, and destroys a man's pickup truck after he was a huge dick to him. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he eventually comes back, and he's, he's trying to figure out what to do. Uh, should he save everyone? Should he um, just stay hiding and stay safe himself? Which, you know, are good questions when you had no one fucking tell you that you should maybe think about you know helping people with your powers growing up. But I think it might be this movie where... Maybe just Batman versus Superman, but Martha literally tells Clark, "Hey, you don't owe anyone a damn thing. Just do whatever you want to do." Which again, horrible advice, and shows how like why this Superman, which is like one of the biggest, the biggest like, I guess flaws of this character, is that he has no one guiding him to be the character that's supposed to be inspirational because that's the point of Superman. He's not supposed to be relatable. He's supposed to inspire people to be better than what they think they can. That's, well, and, that's his role. And he also does it from the perspective of learning humanity, mm -hmm. right? He learns his humanity from his parents yeah. and he learns it from aspects of, you know, of his, obviously his dead parents too, mm -hmm. but it's, it's mainly the Kents that kind of drive that ship right and so that's why for this one it was so bizarre because you know jonathan kent doesn't feel like a good person to me you know he he feels like someone who's so scared shitless that the world could find out my boy is a superhero that yeah we'll let people die to, to conceal the secret yep. you know and mm -hmm. so yeah obviously martha helps him and that's that's fine yeah. like I, I get that part mm -hmm. but this is where it really struggled for me because there are aspects of this mm -hmm. superman that really really bother me okay yep. This is one of them. The other one is the fact that there is almost no chemistry between him and Lois Lane. No. They try. They mm -hmm. try their damnedest, but it just doesn't work. No. It doesn't work at all. And that's, that's the weirdest thing because you have these two characters. Henry Cavill is a fantastic actor. Like, obviously, yeah. like now we've had the benefit of like falling in love with him in The Witcher and seeing him in uh, – uh, I, I was thinking that uh, – The Tudors – um, seeing him and yeah. everything and he's he's great and even like that's what sucks is like i feel like it's not henry cavill's fault that this movie fell through or that the dceu fell apart uh because you have him in this movie and out of any superman ever played before he is the one who looks the most like he could be superman the guy but is the... huge he's muscular like play... he's strong mm -hmm. the playfulness isn't there though yeah Right. That, that's that's what I think. he and, and this is what kind of sucks for me, because obviously he's so good with Geralt of Rivia and he knows so much about the Witcher. I have to think he knows this much about Superman as well. He absolutely right? he, does. He, he, ha he absolutely has to do. And so it can't be. I, I really don't want to blame Amy Adams for this. And I don't want to blame I don't want to blame Cavill because, like you mentioned, they have a very high level of like acting intelligence. And so. To me, this has to be writing. It can't yeah. be anything else other than that oh, because, mm -hmm. there's, like I said, the playfulness drove those first two movies. It drove yeah. the, the Superman movie in 78. Mm -hmm. It drove the 2006 Superman Returns, and they did not get that right here at no. all. And 100% on that. Like, this is where I think of, like, you had, like, your actors 
I think of them. I think of them like as art supplies. Like this is the finest possible molding clay you could have to make anything, and you gave them to Zack Snyder, who's like, oh great, this is the best thing I could. This is the best money could buy. I've never sculpted with clay before. Let's see what I can make with it. And yeah. here's here are the step by step instructions of what to include in a Superman movie, and I'll put those things in there. But I'm gonna make this look how I want to. And then it, at the end of it, you get like, well, it's an art class. This is also a middle school art class, and you tried, so you pass. But in reality, the the teacher's like, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> Here's an analogy you, you may have heard me say before. Can you use a Desert Eagle .50 to open a can of soda? Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Are there better ways to do it? Yes, yes. there absolutely are. Mm-hmm. And... And we've seen this blueprint for how to make Superman already. We've seen it yeah. successfully done, mm-hmm. and we've seen it be enjoyable on top of it too. It's yeah. not just it's not just somebody picking a lane and going, "Okay, well, let's try this with him." Mm-hmm. You know, no, you've seen two very strong depictions of him, and then you get this guy who's frankly morally gray in a lot of a lot of ways up until. Not even the, the final battle. We just talked about this in 78, How, or sorry, in Superman Returns, how Superman is like actively thinking about how can I save everyone without nobody getting hurt? Mm-hmm. But then at the end of Man of Steel, you've got Zod and Superman leveling the entire fucking planet to beat each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, buildings are falling. Holes are being punched in things. Plenty have died. Yeah, And it's like, this this isn't Superman. Yep, exactly. And it's it's one thing like, I one thing I was thrilled about when I saw the previews for this movie is him actually fighting Zod. And of course, like you saw, like the fights happen in a city. And you know what? Just League Unlimited, um, plenty of animated films. You see Superman punch someone through a couple buildings. Okay, yeah. that'll happen. But then you know what he always does? He takes the fight somewhere else. Initially, the skirmish yeah. breaks out. He get then he gets it out of there. That never happens in this movie. Um, even in, like, comparing it to, like, Superman 2, where, like, this was the first time you saw Zod on screen. And when you start seeing Zod blatantly take advantage of the fact that, like, hey, he's not going to fight very hard in here. If we start threatening the people, he'll give up and stop. He does. He doesn't want people to get hurt. So he stops the fight and he moves it out. And he gets, he gets out of there. And that's something that doesn't happen in this movie. So, again, that's... That's where, like, I think it fails to really capture Superman. And yeah. and I think what Snyder was trying to do is that, okay, and this, this is what I thought was going to happen that ended up not happening, so it turned out I was wrong. But after Man of Steel, I thought I was like, okay, well, obviously, like, he doesn't learn how to do this from his parents because his parents start telling him, like, don't give a crap about humanity as well as, like, just make sure that you're safe over anything else because that's the lesson he got from mom and dad. Uh, is that he has to learn this on his own. And after he sees what happened when he didn't do that, he's now going to change what he does. But of course, we find out that doesn't fucking happen in the next movie. He just He's still that morally weird gray. And while it's always fun to like play with a character a little bit, change something about, them, about how they learn what they're supposed to do, but ultimately have them be the character we love, that's okay. But instead... When we get this person who's very far removed from any Superman we've seen before, and Zack Snyder gets called on that, he does the complete wrong and bullshit thing to do and says, I guess people still like seeing things get deconstructed. It's like, no, you did a shit job, man. 
you took I mean, it's... you took a character and then you made a movie with the character there, but he wasn't actually the character. He was what you wanted it to be. Yeah, he could. Uh, yeah. It's. It, I I just I've always been frustrated with this because. Cavill is such a good actor. Yep. You know he's prepped well, and you know that he can't say this publicly, but he has to be frustrated with how oh, how this came I'm out. I'm sure he is. <laughs> I'm 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 positive, and I think it's even more frustrating when he keeps like seeing like in interviews he keeps asking like, "Oh, we saw that like these talks are happening, or you might be in a pitch for another Superman movie." And he's like, "They're not fucking happening, guys. Like yeah. no one's approached me, no one's said anything." And then he's obviously seeing like DC has plans for like different Superman movies already or different like HBO series that don't involve him. And that has to fucking yeah. suck. Like it has to. And also again, for Amy Adams, like who does an amazing job as Lois Lane, despite the fact that there's again, no good chemistry between her and Superman. Um, again, also amazing reporting in this, like, She's the one who shows that, like, she's not going to fuck around or not that people, she's not going to let people fuck with her when she shows up, uh, to, uh, to yeah. a scene to investigate something. You get that right away. Um, when she's yeah, where, where the she, military. yeah, you filed the, uh, uh, you filed this like, like holding order with me and the government here, but it doesn't go into effect until next week. Yep, so, so what are we going to actually do? Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then I, she, she fucking figures out who Superman is before he's even Superman. Oh, no, 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 I take it back. Yeah. He does start showing up a little bit, but yeah, she she, fig she figures no. The reason why she figures it out is because she's the first one on scene, mm -hmm. like you know, after he discovers the ship and everything. Yep. So I mean, she clearly sees it before anyone else mm -hmm. does, and so um, I and, and once again, that's not because she was in the right place at the right time. It's yeah. because she put herself mm -hmm. in the right place at the right time, and yeah. so she's definitely highly functional, and mm -hmm. I think she's a, she's a good uh, good person for the role. Yeah. It's it's just the it's just the writing that suffers, the yeah. story that suffers. Yep, and you know? also this is a pure surprise winning Lois Lane already before Superman even shows up on the scene. So we've established <laughs> that she's damn good at her job. She's a very capable reporter, but again, like that's that's that is a huge part of Lois Lane. But the other part of Lois Lane is that you know, she falls in love with Superman, and we don't yeah. see that directed well in this movie. And honestly. Mm -hmm. As we kind of bring things to a close here, because we could probably knock this this film down another peg if we wanted to. Yeah. How about in in closing, Joe? Mm -hmm. Out of these three Supermen, which one is your favorite? Uh, this is actually uh, this stinks. Like I'm Henry Cavill's a no right away, and it sucks because I I like him. Obviously, we've got the big poster back there. We got Big Cavill, got a little Cavill, got a couple little Cavills <laughs> over there. Um. <laughs> And because Cavill's given a raw deal where I think if he got to, and I think he's even said reports, like if he got the chance to actually play the character, like he wanted to play the character, we would get a much better Superman because he does love sure. the character. We get something different. And because he didn't get to play that, it's hard to say that he could be my favorite Superman and what's there. Um, granted, like one of the best displays of superpowers there's there, like absolutely. Brandon, Brandon Routh, like I absolutely loved doing it too. Um, but this may have to be like the result of like my first Superman was Christopher Reeve. Like I remember seeing Superman two was the first of the Superman movies I'd, I'd seen uh, growing up. And I absolutely loved it because he, he was the character perfectly. And I think for like everyone in my generation and a couple generations before we're going to have the same answer is that Christopher Reeve is just like kind of like the, the pinnacle of Superman displayed um, so far on the big screen. 
Um, so just because he, he nails the character. And he, again, like, you know, he made us believe he could fly. He was the first one who could do that. And again, it's it stinks because Brandon Routh, I think, got a bad got a bad deal that his 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 movie was a commercial and um, even a critical. Like it was a hit. Like it worked. It just didn't make the money the studio thought it was going to make, so they went somewhere else with it. Um, Grosses were too low. They, yeah. were, they were too low. And even yeah. even in his TV uh, like debut as Superman, um, I think gets fucked over in the TV thing that he's in. Just screwed, him, him screwed it, over there. Him and his wife are written off that show. Yeah. It's it's a tragedy, you know. Mm-hmm. If if you ask me about this question, I, I am kind of in the same boat you are, where unfortunately Cavill is not the top. It's mm-hmm. just not going to be that way, and it's not because of him. It is because of what he had to work with. Yep. Um, I'm going to turn a different lane though, because as much as I like Christopher Reeve, yes, he brought us an iconic performance, right? Because of of Brandon Ruth and and what he went through, mm-hmm. and and just seeing how how well he did in not just honoring Reeve, but also doing it really successfully, but also just kind of his presence was the same without being like the same, like shot for shot image of Superman. Right. Like, I know that sounds ridiculous, but, but I mean, he, he carried it a different way. Like he's got that ridiculous curly cue in his hair, but, but because of the, just the iconic nature of like, how he shows the struggle of like lifting the plane and how he the, the climax of the movie and he's like struggling to push up this like you know massive uh, piece of earth and all that mm-hmm. you know that's that's the kind of stuff you didn't see from reeve like reeve yeah. didn't have to show a whole lot of struggle right mm-hmm. like there, yeah sure there were times where he's fighting and like picking stuff up and all that stuff but for me that's where i really wanted to like appreciate was these these close-up moments of of brandon in the role oh yeah and, and showing that superman does have to overcome things it's not just you know let me go flying and pull a cat out of a tree for for a kid even it's, though he, he does do that in that movie he, he, he goes to, <laughs> he does that just save a cat from the tree yeah but, <laughs> but it's it's that's that's where i really saw the value in him in the role was not just doing what has already been presented well it's also showing this other dimension to him that I really liked. And yeah, it, it feels like it's one of those against the grain and like, yeah, you just can't be trendy, can't it? But <laughs> no, I, I really do. I, he's he's always been my favorite Superman. So I, I will give it to him. He's a good dude. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, I think that's uh, where we can call it a, call it an episode here. So yes. thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed yes. our uh, our Superman Royale. And until next time, keep on dissecting. And small screen, watch Superman and Lois. Yeah, and, and sorry, another thing too. Could you guys write us at digitaldissection at gmail.com? Just just send us a message. Just we gotta make sure the damn thing even works. It does work. <laughs> <laughs>